Welcome to The Coaching Question. This is a podcast for people who want to know more about coaching, how to commission it, when to use it, and really, what is it all about? Join Gregor Findlay and Sarah Turner, two executive coaches, for an honest conversation. In today's episode, we ask the question, how to pick an executive coach? I'm Sarah Turner, an executive and maternity coach. I'm also a business psychologist and I have lots of experience working within HR. I've been coaching now for 10 years. Hi there, I'm Gregor Finlay. I'm an executive and team coach working in business. I've been coaching for nearly 20 years. So today's coaching question is how to pick an executive coach. Yeah, and we came across an article and it was somebody talking about, you know, all the things you need to do. But it really sparked off, actually, I think both of us were a little bit wound up by it in time <laughs> because it was an extremely simplistic view Yes. of what an HRD or any commissioner of coaching has to think about when yes. they're bringing a coach into their organisation. They're giving them an awful lot of trust. Yeah. So let's have a conversation about, you know, from our experience, what should they be thinking about? Yes, yeah, absolutely. And I think often in my experience, an HRD may well use a coach they've used historically, but maybe that coach might not always be the best fit for the client. Yeah, I, I think that's very true. Actually, I've benefited from that. I'm not saying you know necessarily not being the best coach for the coach he, but because it does need an awful lot of trust, if you find somebody who gets results and mm. you can trust, you're going to keep on using them. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But there is something about always having it in mind to ask that question. Mm. Yeah, and there can be great benefit from having somebody who then builds up that organisational knowledge. But absolutely, the trust and the chemistry is key because it's, it's two people involved in this relationship and they need to be able to trust each other and work with each other in order to achieve what they're, they're there to achieve. Absolutely. So what do you think is most important? In terms of how to pick an executive coach? Yeah. Well, I think there's a number of different things to think about. I mean, in this article, they picked up on a number of different elements around assumptions and purpose, but I felt that was a little bit simple in terms of some of the questions that they were proposing, such as what techniques might the coach use? And actually, as we both think, you know, we could sit here for three hours and talk about different kinds of coaching techniques. So for me, it's about the style or the stance of the coach and how much time they might invest in their own learning and development, what kind of training or accreditation they may have undergone. Yeah, so accreditation is a really interesting mm. thing because, you know, I, I asked Professor David Clutterbuck, you know, if there was any research that showed that, you know, does accreditation mean that you're going to get better results? And he said, there's absolutely no evidence for that. Mm what actually is correlated with uh, getting results as a postgraduate qualification. Mm -hmm. And he thinks that's because it's an attitude towards learning. Mm. So I think people's attitude towards CPD, you know, continual professional development, their attitude and their investment in learning is a really good indicator whether or not you've got someone that's worthwhile working with. Yeah, because pretty much anyone could call themselves a coach. Yeah. So... Yeah, you know, and just do, just doing one coaching course in and of itself isn't going to be enough, I wouldn't argue. Because I know that both of us, I, I continually look for how I can grow and expand and evolve my approach and my coaching practice and, and ultimately in better service of my clients. Yeah, and again, that comes down to your philosophy of coaching. Mm. You have to be able to articulate your philosophy of coaching. 
just because accreditation doesn't necessarily correlate, you know, with you know, good coaching results. It doesn't mean to say that those accreditation bodies don't do a really good job. No. I think it can be easier for a commissioner of coaching to just say, I need to qualify these people out somehow. Yes. So I'm going to pick, they have to be accredited by the ICF, uh-huh. for example, because it's the most well known. I think it's not necessarily the best, but really in the UK, you've got the ICF, you've got the Association for Coaching, and you've got Apex. Now you're accredited with... Yeah, um, International Coaching Federation. Yeah, and, and the I'm Association of Coaching. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm a, a member of the Association for Coaching mm-hmm. and I'm accredited with the um, Association of Professional Executive Coaches and Supervisors, Apex. Mm-hmm. Now, what's different in approach is that ICF and Association for Coaching are both competency-based. Yeah. Or they accredit on competency. And Apex... Actually, the apex population is, is, I would say, more mature. You get an awful lot more people in their 50s and 60s than Mm -hmm. apex. And they are capability-based rather than competency. They've got quite different attitudes towards it. The thing is, if you're going through accreditation, it means you are investing in your development. Mm. I think the thing that really struck me when I was going through my accreditation process with the ICF is that you actually need to record a coaching session And you need to have that transcribed and that needs to be listened to by one of the assessors. So for me, that's a really rigorous approach and and actually quite scary, actually, as a Mm. coach to kind of, you know, it's one thing to do a coaching session behind closed doors, quite another to record it and have someone listen to it and effectively critique it. But that's the kind of standard we should all be holding ourselves to if we're going out into the world and coaching. Yeah, and I think recording sessions, if, again, the coach, he has to be willing to have it recorded. Yeah. Uh, taking recordings to supervision is yes. another thing. So supervision is another element. Absolutely. So I think your philosophy around CPD and how much you do in terms of CPD and ha- being in supervision. Um, and I was amazed to find out how little supervision mm. was being done in the USA. The UK is actually way ahead of other markets mm. in terms of, and we've really picked up from the BPS, the whole philosophy of supervision. Yes. So I think that's some place where the UK is ahead of the rest of the world. And for people listening to the podcast who might not necessarily know what supervision is, it's an opportunity. So we actually met through supervision, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Um, so it's an opportunity to sit with um, a master coach, um, usually, and trained supervisor, and to reflect on cases coaching relationships where we may be well it's not always having a a challenge but it may just be it gives us the opportunity to reflect on how we're being with that client the approach we're taking yeah i I think you know our our supervisor would say that every client deserves a day in the sun so it doesn't have to be a real problem case Mm. but a problem case is a very good example so for example i was you know, I, I probably in coaching for 16 years. I was uh, working with a, a GM in light industry. And for some reason, I was really struggling to challenge this guy. I really wanted him to like me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, that, that comes up. But I can, I'm normally very good at challenging people. Yeah. But I struggled with this guy, and it was only in supervision that I figured out that he reminded me of my dad. Yeah, it's so funny how we those things happen. We had yeah. a transference issue. Yeah. But I wouldn't have uncovered that unless I'd had supervision. And supervision it makes you a better coach, ultimately. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so for me, that would be an absolute fundamental. Yeah. You know, the question I would ask is, you know, are you accredited? Who by? Do you have regular supervision? There are some great coaches out there that aren't accredited. Yes. 
Um, but I so think, I think experience and results. I, I mean, yes. I what I don't get asked about, I think enough is okay. Demonstrate the results that you've got. Mm. Talk me through case studies. Mm-hmm. Have you coached in this sort of challenge area? Mm. Tell me about this sort of stuff and give me some case studies because that really evidences what the coach is capable of. Yeah, and we, we were talking about you know taking a reference or you know trying to have some sense of a testimonial or recommendation. Testimonials. As most people, the majority of people, commissions of coaching will act on a recommendation. Yeah. So that is a form of testimonial or, yeah. or reference in itself. Yeah. Um, and then I think the second most popular is accreditation bodies mm. um, or, or just a web search. It's mm. web search or accreditation body is next. Yeah. So we've got CPD, accreditation, supervision, um, references. L- references, and actually, you know, digging into the sort of results that coaches get. Yeah. What we haven't talked about is actually the most popular thing that coaches look for is industry experience. <laughs> and, and, you know, you're laughing because <laughs> we know that industry experience has very little, very little impact on whether or not you're going to get a coaching reserve. Yeah. But it's what people feel comfortable with. So mm. they're going to start from that point. Mm. But it's just to be very aware. But this then leads the, us into this whole concept of expert. You know, a coach is never going to step into a coaching session and be the expert. So sector experience is not important. There are instances where it's they're looking for coaching but what is actually needed is, is coach mentor. Yeah. So uh, I remember doing some drop-in coaching. With, um, so drop-in coaching as a term means that you're on site and people can book a session. Yes. Anybody can book a session with you. And this was mostly graduates. It was called a coaching session, but in reality, mm. these Making people were coming from mentoring mm. because they never had a job before. Yeah. So that's a, so an extreme example of... They say it's coaching, but, but actually, actually what's needed else. is mentoring. Mm. I think my best example of being really split out was somebody who'd never had any reports. He was uh, from the consulting industry, had been brought in, did strategy work at HQ, and they wanted him to get operational experience. So they gave him two um, oil rigs. Right. And he was suddenly responsible for 300 souls across two oil rigs with no man management experience. Which I, I still think is astounding. What they did do is they gave him a mentor for the first six months yeah. who had managed people on yes. rigs. Yeah. So that was a really good example of good use of mentoring. Yeah. The mentor could only take him so far mm. and then I was brought in as a coach to then help him. So the, the mentoring and the coaching was really well split out because mm-hmm. we had two separate roles. Mm. But quite often you are brought in and you do have to drop out of coaching for a while and move into mentoring. Yes, but I think it's just about being clear that that's what you're doing, what isn't you're it? Doing. It's all about the contracting and what and how you're kind of setting up that coaching agreement. I mean, one of the things that this article asked um, a question around was, you know, how do you know if you've had a good or a bad session? Oh, that's quite funny. So I tend to, I'm not sure what you do, but I tend to ask after every session, what did you find useful and what would make it even better next mm. time? Which is a way of seeking feedback and getting input. And coaches aren't necessarily always, they don't always give you 
really useful stuff, but it is a really good balancing. Thing. I check in regularly throughout the session. So we talked about this before we started, but one of the kind of metaphors that Claire Pedrick at 3D Coaching has shared, which I find really powerful in when you're having any coaching session is you always start with the end in mind. Mm. So, so but she uses a kind of an aeroplane metaphor. So if I'm coaching with you and I might say, so what is it you know, that you'd like to focus on today, Greg? And you'll say, using the aeroplane metaphor, you might say, well, I want to go to Barcelona. Great. Okay. We're going to Barcelona. You get started. And if you think about when you're on an aeroplane, you know, the pilot will check in with you at regular intervals en route to say this is how far we are, this is the altitude, this is the weather, etc. And the same applies in coaching. So where are we now, Gregor? You know, what do you know now that you didn't know at the start of this session? Is this useful? So kind of checking in at regular mm. points through mm. the coaching session to make sure that we're still going to Barcelona because actually you might decide halfway through that it's not about Barcelona at all, it's actually New York. But we'll only know that if I check in with you. Yeah. I mean, my, one of my f- favorite questions is, how are we doing? Yeah. Because it is a partnership yeah. in terms of what you're doing. So, yeah. yeah so, during the session, we'll say, how, you know, how, how are we doing? Yeah. Are and we it, still going in the place, we, in the direction we need to be going? Yes. Um, uh, I mentioned Professor David Glutterbrook. Mm. He gave an example of work running an assessment center. And the guy was using the GROW model, mm-hmm. Go Reality Options Well. Mm-hmm. And he was asking, he was probing, the, the coach was probing about what does success look like? You know, he's trying to get to a goal. And suddenly this quite senior person stopped and paused and then said, you know what, I think I've figured it out. I don't think I want to be here. You know, a big, big transformative moment, you know, by being given some space and some time to process, he'd come to a conclusion. Now, this guy was accredited and trained, so should have ticked all the boxes. And the coach said, yes, yes, but what does success look like? At which point, David Clutterpuck was smacking his head and going, okay, Gladys has been in an assessment centre, we are not employing this coach. Highly trained, highly accredited, but was not tuned into regularly recontracting and figuring out, because, yeah, sometimes anybody who's used the GROW model, and what I still sometimes use, is you start off with a goal. Once you explore reality, quite often you discover that the, the goal changed. wasn't, it wasn't Barcelona, mm. it was Lisbon. So where have we got to? So we were talking about how do you know if you've had a good or bad session, talking about kind of checking in regularly. And I, I also think it's interesting when coaches talk about being helpful because lots of people get drawn to the profession. Lots of coaches get drawn to coaching because they want to help people. And the use of language here, I think, is quite interesting when actually if you shift helpful to useful, mm-hmm. thinking how useful can I be as a coach? Is this, in you know, checking in, is this, is this useful? Yes. Is this getting what you want to get that's, that's, from that's this session? So let's take that check-in approach because that's another thing that a commissioner of, of coaching is what's the relationship? Mm. You know, so you'll... You know, I will generally have multi-stakeholder contracting. Yeah. You know, we'll have a sit down between the line manager, the coachee, and this is in organisations, clearly, mm-hmm. in uh, the line manager, the coachee, and myself. Some organisations actually ask for a four-way. That can sometimes be tough, so HR get involved at that point. Yeah. But keeping HR connected with the process, mm. having a midway checkpoint yeah. with the line manager, certainly, but also with HR, mm because it's really valuable as a coach to get, is there a shift to context? What's yeah. going on in the organisation? What evidence of change 
are they seeing in the individual? Exactly. Because I think that's a really powerful thing because I can sit with you and do coaching, but actually, you know, I'm, I'm only with you in the coaching session. I don't mm. see what happens once you walk out that door. So once you're back in the workplace, are you putting into practice the things that you've decided that you want to do mm. or do you want to change? And actually, if I'm your line manager and I know that you're working on these three goals and I see you doing those things, I can say, brilliant. I can give you feedback, let you know that I'm noticing it and that I appreciate it. And then that bolsters you in your journey through the coaching. Or, or, or they're seeing things that are coming out of the coaching that they never expected to come out mm. of the coaching, but they, they are seeing it. Mm. And then also there's that evaluation at the end. Yeah. Now, a lot of organizations, well, some organizations have got a really hand of approach. Got, there you go, you've got a coach. I've given you a coach. Problem sorted. <laughs> Pro, well, it's not problem, but that, that's, they want a really distant relationship. Mm. Other organizations are much, much closer to it. But generally, organizations don't tend to do an awful lot around assessment mm. right at the end, you know, mm. or six months on. Mm. What value did we really get out of that investment? Mm. And they can rely on the coach to then like do an interview. I mean, I, I would tend to do an impact assessment at the end mm -hmm. and I'll touch base six months on. Mm -hmm. But it's often you know, me going back to the client with this is the evidence because I want to prove to them that mm. we've made a difference so they're going to employ me again. Yeah. But it, sometimes I think commissions or coaching, they're a bit hand-off in that space. Mm. They'd be a bit too hand-off. Mm. But, you know, there's a, there is a lot of talk about how do you actually evaluate the return on investment in coaching. So maybe there's a question there for for HR teams thinking, well, I'm not quite sure, how do, how do I evaluate it? I mean, is, is positive feedback from the client enough? Well, sometimes it's just, it can be. Sometimes it can be, well, you can't measure the thing, the mistakes that didn't happen. No. And quite often you are, preventing let's say derailment for example mm. i'll give an example the employee this leader they put him in because he is absolutely spot on on paper for the role they need someone to fill the position but his hogan report shows four potential derailers mm -hmm. so it's a high stress promotion mm -hmm. there's a really good chance this individual could derail they invested in the coaching now that individual did not derail my opinion is they probably would have drilled if they hadn't had the coach hang. Yeah. That's the opinion of the VP of HR. But we don't know that. We can't measure what that mistake would have cost them. Yes. But considering the, the seniority of the executive, I would say just to recruit someone else. I mean, you're talking 200 grand. Mm. And then what? impact whether there being the following impact on that business mm. so how do you measure something like that mm. well yeah you can't you can't you can't so there's loads and loads of intangibles we could do a whole episode and measure ROI I mean, I've got exact I mean we've both got examples we can point to millions of pounds you know made or saved they're the easy ones but what I like about what you were saying there is although the HR team may not think about you know, evaluating return investment. As a coach, you're you're getting back in touch in six months and saying, I'm checking in, how you're doing, you know, are things still going well or whatever. And that that's you being proactive and taking it seriously, which I think is a is a value add and something that all coaches should hold themselves to. Yeah, it's funny about the six month thing because 
many coaches and I have talked about this. We've all had the experience that we meet someone, not necessarily six months later, sometimes two years later, we sit down with a coachee again and they say, the thing that really made the difference to me, it was transformational when you said X, Y, Z. And we have absolutely no memory of ever having said that. <laughs> Something has happened in that session that's been really meaningful really, really meaningful to that coachee. They've not mentioned at the time. We haven't picked up on it. But it is the thing that has really transformed something for them. Yeah. And we're clueless about it. Yeah. But that it's lasting... Amazing, it? Well, it is amazing. But that lasting impact is quite powerful. So I've just started coaching somebody again. Um, I coached her, last coached her five years ago. She's since moved firms and um, wanted to coach and contacted me and said, can I work with you again? Mm -hmm. And the number of times that she shares things that must have come up in our coaching sessions, I'm like, really? <laughs> but it's really landed with her. And that's, that's brilliant. It's just so rewarding. Yeah, this will come up again and again. But, you know, I talk about coaching being like improv. Yes. You know, when somebody's on stage and they're doing improv, later on somebody might say, you know, you know, that was great when you did such and such. What but was you're that? so in the zone <laughs> yeah. that you don't remember that what did because I do? you're totally focused on what you're doing. Anyway, hopefully in this conversation, we have given a, a good idea. I suppose a coach's perspective on what yeah. people should be thinking about when they're looking at hiring a coach. So what do we think then? So in terms of our question about what to look for when hiring an executive coach, we've talked about accreditation. Yes. We don't think that's the absolutely everything, but it's a really important indicator. Yeah. CPD. Yeah. Supervision. CPD and supervision, yeah. Yes, together, yeah. Recommendations, Re testimonials, references, case studies, some kind of evidence of and the impact that you've and had. And searching for the kind of results. Yes. You know, you know it's different coaches will get results in different areas. So you yeah. can, if you look at the results that people get, mm. then you're going to have a good idea mm. and you can probe into the case studies. And mm. I think that's going to give you a much better idea mm. than a lot of other stuff. And there's, and I think also this piece around the, the re, taking it really seriously, how you set up that coaching agreement. So asking for things like, do we have a three-way meeting? Being really clear on what the goals and objectives are of the coaching because the client needs to lead that coaching. They need to be absolutely crystal clear what they're here for. And also clear that that might change. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I'm not sure if we've really talked about it, but there is a thing about the developmental level of the coach. Mm -hmm. And... You shouldn't expect a 28-year-old coach, and I'm generalizing here, who will not have had the life experience and the developmental experiences such that they can coach a 50-year-old CEO mm. well mm -hmm. because they don't have the perspectives they need to have to mm. be able to challenge that individual's perspectives. Yeah. So I think developmental level is also something Mm. to look at. Mm. I think yeah. that's the final one for me. Yeah. This has been a great conversation. It's been fabulous. Thank you very much. Thank you. So thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope that you've enjoyed it and more importantly learned something from it. And next time we plan to talk about the leadership pipeline, which um, we both found to be a very useful model. And uh, for those of you who don't know about it, we can talk about how it applies in the coaching world. So we look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you. Cheerio.